Good morning, world. How we doing today? This is the Fifth Ward Wildcat, and once again, you are listening to the Fifth Ward Wildcat and my compadre, my road dog. Who are you, sir? This is a pissed off KG. Welcome to another podcast. Hey, he's in of, the beach. Uh, KG and the Fifth Ward Wildcat. Thank you once again for listening. This is going to be a different one, folks. I promise you that because yeah, something man. near and dear to my heart is about to experience a nuclear winter. You know what I'm talking about. But as is our custom on these podcasts, Wildcat, give us those scores. All right, this morning we start with HBU. The men open on the road against Campbell at uh, 68-82. Men's basketball, they won their home opener in overtime against Bethune-Cookman, 76-74. I got to get ahead of myself. Let me slow down and take a breather and show some patience. Women's basketball now is 0-2. They lost on the, they're on the road. They lost the first game to Iowa State, 33-73. And then to Missouri, University of Missouri, Kansas City, 45-92. Men's soccer lost in the uh, uh, Atlantic Soccer Conference Tournament in the semis, 4-2 on penalty kicks. That season is finished. They finished 3-10-3. Hopefully they'll get their resolve their keeper issues. Women's soccer lost in the championship game of the Great West Conference 2-1 in overtime to Utah Valley U. They finished the season 11-9-1. Women's volleyball is headed off to the Great West Conference with a three-game win streak. They are overall 21-8. and The tournament begins on the 18th in Grand Forks, North Dakota. U of H, men's basketball, now is 2-0. They beat Grambling in their home opener 88-42. And then they won last night in a stunner. Uh, they pulled away late, 84 to 71. Women's volleyball lost to Tulsa 0-3, and they are headed to the tournament, uh, to, to the uh, Conference USA tournament. Women's basketball lost to New Mexico State 63-62. Rice women's volleyball beat SMU 3-0. Foot, uh, football team, uh, women's basketball team, uh, basketball team lost their second game to Oklahoma State on the road, 96 to 60. Men's basketball now uh, beat um, New Orleans, 83 to 49. St. Thomas women's uh, women's volleyball beat our lady at the lake at the uh, Red River. Athletic Conference Tournament 3-2. Women's basketball now is 0-4 in their inaugural season. That last loss came to uh, included, the last two losses included Oklahoma City uh, 46-110 and Langston 67-84. The uh, men's soccer finished the season 9-7-2. That last win coming in the uh, Red River Athletic Tournament against Northwood 3-1. Men's basketball is 2-0 with wins over Langston 88-75 and Wayland Baptist 58-49. Sandy Center, the running Ravens. Men's basketball is now 6-0. Their last win coming against Collins County Community College. Uh, and women's basketball is only 5-0 uh, win streak. Their last win coming against uh, let me get this correctly. Oklahoma Community College, 72-61. Women's volleyball finished regular season 30-3 and and headed to the Nationals in West Plains, Missouri. The leash is off. KG, are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm very ready. Yes, well, sir. KG, it is, it's your world. You know what we got to talk about. Let's start with that crap that 
that's on everybody's mind today. Thank you are on, sir. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Um, this will not be – this podcast won't spend too much time on uh, college scores of basketball. You know, Wildcat did mention that the U of H men won uh, Monday night over a good team, Utah Valley team that's unknown to a lot of people, but they're uh, their favorite of the Great West Conference, which features Houston Baptist. Yes. Cougars won 84-71 thanks to defense and spurtability and thanks to Kirk Ben Slyke scoring 18 points off the bench. Um, Joseph Young, who a lot of high school fans know from Jack Gage, scored 19, and Lennis Harris scored 20. I'm not going to talk about all that. Amen. That's about as much we're going to talk about. It's right there. Okay. What we're going to talk about, what I'm going to talk about, the Wildcat allows me a whole lot of time here to indulge and get uh, some things off my chest. My, my, my thorny chest is, is um, NBA lockout, what the players decided to do on Monday. Uh, the player reps, 30 player reps and about 50 players who attended the meeting in New York decided against the owner's latest proposal and decided to go ahead with uh, basically taking legal action and getting the courts involved, lawyers and judges, etc., by filing a disclaimer of interest. Basically, they no longer are officially a union. They are a trade association. Bottom line, the players are at fault. The owners are at fault. The owners were going to win. The owners were and are going to win this labor agreement. We knew about this years ago. It's a question. The biggest question was how much the owners were going to win, how much the players are going to give up. There's a lot of different factors in here that have me pissed off. Uh, and listeners, I'm going to do my best to not use profanity too much, because I can't promise you that I won't use some, but I'm, I'm upset, I'm disappointed more than anything, because I had college basketball to get me through March, so I'll, I'll be fine, other folks can, who, who are the arena workers and Wildcatters is one of those, uh, those dates are gone, because what the players did on Monday, decided to go the disclaimer of interest route, pretty much ensures Legal fights, legal battles, legal issues were getting involved, which may cancel the 2011-2012 season within a matter of days because the players are going to file antitrust lawsuits and everything is going to get involved in the courts. There's like a very small window that the players and owners can return to the negotiating table and reach an agreement. That, that window is maybe a day left before the players file antitrust because November 15th, today, is the first day players miss checks. So let the fun begin. My colleagues in the NBA circles, uh, Ken Berger, Adrian Wojnarowski, Ken Berger for CBS Sports, and Adrian Wojnarowski for Yahoo Sports, have written excellent articles to basically say how I feel, which will hopefully keep me calm enough to not go off and just use sailor talk and keep us on iTunes and YouTube without uh, going, you know, getting removed from those because of profanity. A few things that I just want to touch on. David Stern said, stated yesterday that uh, Jeffrey Kessler, the lawyer for the players, said November or February 2010 that he told, Kessler told the owners that the players were going to uh, go this antitrust lawsuit, make it a legal fight. 
Billy Hunter said three years ago that David Stern told him that the owners were going to lock out the players when the collective bargaining agreement expired. Okay, if everybody knew what each other was going to do a year ago, two, three years ago, why is it now November 2011, months into the lockout, when we're finally doing this? The mega agents, agents representing big-time players, wanted the players to decertify July 1. It's four months ago because they believed that it was the players' best shot at leverage in these negotiations. So one of my big questions is why are the players why do the players wait till November 14th to decide to go the legal route and do a disclaimer of interest? And let me explain what the hell is the difference between disclaimer of interest and the certification and I'm going to read because Ken Berger does a great job explaining all of this. So just bear with me during this podcast. Like I said, it's going to be different. This is going to be NBA lockout. You may end up with uh, wanting to go to law school after some of the stuff I'm going to spit out at you during this podcast. The decision to disclaim, and this is the kicker, stunned even those agents who had been clamoring for the players to decertify for months. Agents held a conference call late Monday afternoon, and according to a person who was briefed on it, hardly any of them were happy with the path the union chose. Some 200 decertification signatures already collected from players likely will be filed with the National Labor Relations Board as a backup plan in case the disclaimer strategy doesn't work. Sources familiar with the desert movement said, quote, this is honestly the last thing I would have done, one moderate agent said of the union's disclaimer. I can't imagine these players truly know what they've gotten themselves into. I don't know an agent, including the desert agents, who are happy with this move, end quote. Okay, that's an agent saying, questioning what the hell the players did yesterday. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. The reason, one of the reasons we're at this point now is because a rogue group attempted to voice their opinion and, and put their stamp on the new CBA. And that is one of the reasons why we're, why we're where we are right now. Am I, am I, am I wrong? You are, you, you are, you are correct to a point because there was a rogue group who wanted to decertify and go that route. But Billy Hunter said in July, said, said he still says to this day, they didn't want to do. That's why the players filed with the National Labor Relations Board when they did in July, because they want the NLRB to rule and declare the lockout illegal. That was July. That was that was filed in July. The owners filed in their own courts uh, paperwork, basically stating that any claims of disinterest, any decertification talk that the union proposes or tries to get is a sham. So the David Stern and the owners did this first in a proactive move to stop this talk. But the players waited until November to do this. And notice the National Labor Relations Board still has yet to rule on what the players filed four months ago. So to show you how long the legal route may take to continue. A disclaimer was the one weapon at the union's disposal that causes the most chaos the fastest. Okay, because the decertification vote first has to be voted on, then the National Labor Relations Board has to say it's legal, because it's okay to decertify, then the players have to vote to decide to decertify. All that will take at least two to three months before that's done, before the union is disbanded. The reason for the disclaimer of interest was it's quicker. 
It's a faster process. Everything will get done quicker than two months. That was the reason they did this on Monday. However, once the players file the antitrust lawsuit, the league presumably would follow through on its threat to void all player contracts. Technically, the league would be free to start over with new rules, a new draft, and new ways of assigning players to teams. Now, the players would bar- hold on. The players would bargain individually, and they wouldn't be considered scabs since they are no longer represented by a union. All right. Now, two weeks ago, I think it's now that the DL went and had their that draft and the national basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, in the process of doing that, where does that leave? That group of guys that normally would have gone overseas. Well, those guys, see, that's the thing. Those guys are not part of the players' union. See, players that, association. That, that, the reason I asked that is because I wasn't clear on that. That's what I'm, just, I'm, I'm asking that question now because you know more about that, that pro-level stuff than I do. And I appreciate that. But at some point, that group of guys, that group of teams, because they belong to the 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 parent company, just like the NHL, am, am, I, am I wrong? Right. In, in some form or fashion. When somebody mentions that they can put anybody into, a, into the, to the arena, once all of this gets done and gets into the courts, will that be a route some of these owners that don't, that, some of these uh, non-dual owner, ownership uh, owners that don't have um, uh, uh, another uh, venue, uh, vendor that's coming in to carry those dates? No, prob- probably not because most of those D-League teams have their own arena affiliation and things like that. So, I mean, there'll still be some logistics involved, and most of those teams are not, are not located in NBA cities. So, so I, 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 know, I, I know what you're saying. Could those and, and, D-League games be played in NBA arenas? Right. Anything's probably, you know, the owners could probably try it, but that may involve more lawsuits filed by the players in the NBA level saying you're keeping us from earning a livelihood. So this is another legal loophole, legal, not a loophole, but legal possibility that would result. So there's more lawyers, you know, be that's, involved. That's, that's yeah, what, the lawyers are the ones going to be involved now. Because once like the players and owners don't negotiate that one last time, it's all going to the courts. And that's where this is going to end. Next, I'm still reading from a man, Ken Berger's great go article. Ahead, this, I'm going to tell you, the information here is I'm just listening. very enlightening. I'm going to be John Q. Citizen today. But a disclaimer of interest is not a stronger hand than decertification. And unlike decertification, bargaining talks cannot continue between the league and union. All that can result is a settlement reached by the attorneys which at some point would take the form of collective bargaining agreement if a simple majority of players voted to reinstate the union and the owners decided to recognize it. But that eventuality is a long way off, and it would be a moot point if a federal judge rules that the union's disclaimer tactic is a sham. That was the reason that David Stern owners filed in their court of choice in July saying that a disclaimer, if the union decides to file a disclaimer of interest, it's nothing but a sham. It's a negotiating tactic. It's a sham. So if that rules against them, the players are just losing more and more leverage from this perspective. 
how and why I did, didn't I, I, how and why a deal didn't get done to avoid all of this is the biggest shame of all. That is in a nutshell. Now, I'm going to get to my man Kingberger's great term to describe all the, the process of this. That's what I was waiting on. Okay. That's what I was waiting on. Because listen up, folks. Because uh, on Sunday I was reading some of the some of the uh, points of the, of the proposal that the owners had proposed. And one of them, I had a major issue that I could really see the players side on this. And this is the one that even caused, gave me pause in much uh, of uh, saying the players need to reach to the deal because a check is better than no check. It involves escrow. Now, under the old agreement, the owners took 8.5% of the player's salary and held it in escrow. Under the new proposal, it'd be 10%. But listen to this. 10% escrow withholding would be used in all seasons of the new agreement. If the 10% escrow is insufficient to reduce aggregate players' salaries and benefits to the agreed-upon share of basketball-related income, which is 50-50 most likely, then the overage will be paid as follows. One, first, from the new benefits pool to be funded with 1% of BRI, and two, if an overage remains from player salaries and benefits in a manner to be determined by both parties. Parties agree to mechanisms to adjust the salary cap and tax levels as may be needed so as to ensure that the agreed-upon share of BRI is not exceeded. All that is saying is the owners have given themselves three to five different ways to guarantee that they're going to get that 10% escrow. This job was in perpetuity. I, just haven't been involved in, in union-type work environments, I find that a bunch of horse crap. Thank you. Because that bothers me as an everyday union worker. Because if I look up and I say, okay, we're working every day. We see, you know, material coming in and going out, finished product. Somebody's collecting on somewhere down the road. But it, if... You, as a owner, choose not to some way, somehow, keep the manufacturing line working. If the union says, we think we're getting shafted, we're going to stop working. And at some point, we will walk out. And that would be a strike. And that would be a strike. Correct. Now, the fact that that didn't happen first and it went the other way around, you closed the doors and said, I don't want you to come to work. That in itself tells me that you don't want me to work, you don't want me to make any money at all. And the only thing that's coming out of your mouth is, I'm losing money. Well, nut brain, you chose to make payment on all of us. If you're making payment, that's not our fault. If you want me to take to 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 take a less less pay, then I expect from you to be taking care of my pension plan, taking care of my retirement, taking care of my medical. Exactly. So, so if we if we sit down, and we bargain and all, and we find a way to get to, to reach that medium, I may take a, you know a, 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 a shot and pay, but I expect the rest of that to be on the own to get taken care. Of. Now, if I find out before when I start reading that you have found a way to collect more and also 
put it in, uh, put it in, in fine print that uh, you'll also be paying a little bit more in, in your pension on your side. You'll be paying a little bit more in your medical on your side, and I'll be collecting that extra money on mine, and we, we, I'll be keeping that in my pocket and taking it home to my wife and my kids. I'm going to be pissed. Let's see, Wildcat, what you are describing is the owners and players' NBA discussions these last 20 half years. But the perfect word to describe this whole process, thanks to my man Ken Berger, and it's been around for a few months, floating on Twitter, is ass hattery. Okay, all together now, ass hattery. Listeners, when you listen to this podcast, say it with me, ass hattery. And in case you're wondering, Chris, KG, what is ass hattery? Well, boys and girls, this is the segment of Mr. KG's Neighborhood, and ass hattery is derived from ass hat. Wildcat, you may ask, what is ass hat? I'm glad you ask. Ass hat, and ass hat is a person who has their head so far up their own ass that they are wearing their ass as a hat. Therefore, to describe this process, you get the negotiations from the owners and the players. It's full of men, because mostly I don't think there's any women involved. It's maybe some lawyers and, you know, legal aides in, but they're in the room. Administration. They're all in administration. Yes. This is all ass hattery because both sides' heads are so far up their own asses this is where we are right now. So, thank you very much, Mr. Berger, for that wonderful phrase of ass hattery. And my latest tweet, at the, at T-H-E-H-R review, involves and evokes that word, ass hattery. Because I'm not done with the great information from Mr. Berger. One of the things involved in the owner's proposal was a 12% reduction in rookie wages and minimum salaries and it was simply a function of the reduction in salaries from 57% of revenue to 50% and the union's unwillingness to touch max contracts or agree to across the board rollbacks as Mr. Berger points out don't the players realize that the money had to come from somewhere? As an example, a 12% cut for the number one pick in the draft would have decreased his rookie salary from $4.4 million to $3.9 million. The 10-year veteran's minimum salary would have gone from $1.4 million to $1.2 million. That is a 12% reduction in wages. Somehow, some way, I think you and I could have found a way to live off of $3.9 million a year or $1.2 million a year. What say you, Squawkat? I find their reasoning for not being able to take care of their finances, I find that being totally uneducated and not paying attention while they were in school on some level. You have to at some point sit sit down to that person that you talking to every day whomever that person is that my friend the finances in this household are getting thin we need to cut back on some things I don't care about you know they may have to end up going to public school we're not taking vacations no more you need to decide which car you're going to keep. Oh, you're going to keep. Rather than the, the seven or eight cars I have in my garage? And, and speaking of that, folks, we, I'm not going to say where we were, but we were here in, in this city 
in Fort Benton, no, Brazoria County, I will say that. We were driving down a two-lane highway, headed from the, between schools, and we passed by four houses that were sitting out in their field. And each one of those houses had a minimum of four garages. I got an issue with that. And the only reason I have an issue with that is because when you know that you can't afford that, don't buy that. Don't buy that. Don't buy the second house. Don't buy the, the, the fourth and fifth car. You don't need it. You can only drive one car at a time. Correct. You only have one butt to put this in the and seat. And if you have a family, you only use one crossover. One SUV every day, you know, on a regular basis. Folks, the economy is where it is because people have spent outside their means. Exactly. That's and, how folks And personally, I'm in fault. I was guilty of that, and I'm getting back on my feet in a, in a slow, slowly but surely. But we, yes. we all have at some point. And Correct. Some of, some of us more than once. Let's, let's face it, some of us more than once. We didn't learn the first time around. And now that the, the paycheck won't be in the won't be in the bank by Friday. Somebody's got to go to the bank and says, "Look, I can't make payment this month." Well, young man, that's not my fault. Tell you what you're gonna do. You got three to six months to get ready, because in the six months, we'll be putting you out of your house if I don't get a check. That's what it's gonna boil down to. You will find out. The public will find out just who these get, uh, what kind of mental, financial brainwaves they have because so much, because a lot of guys now are in a are in a fix, in a pickle, as they say. When they get started back, who knows? Like KG says, they're in the courts now. The lawyers will be the lawyers will be the only ones making money. Exactly. That's who, that's who will be collecting the check. And here's my biggest beef with the players. They've been saying this for months during this negotiating process. They're trying the reason they're doing this and now the reason that they've gone the disclaimer of interest route is because they want to get a fair deal. Never a fair what, deal. What what don't you understand in, in these negotiations? It's not about getting a fair deal, it's about getting the best deal for both sides. A fair deal or a, the best deal is going to hurt both sides. That's how it's a good deal. They're talking about getting a fair deal. Get a deal. And now it's too late because it's going to get involved in, in the courts. And who knows how long it's going to take. The process, is, um, you know, like I said, there are still some NBA Writers, if the numbers are dwindling, who still believe that there's a 50, a possibility of a 50 game season, uh, that, you know, because in 1999, when everything finally was resolved, it, it happened in January. And when, when, when an agreement was finally reached and there was a 50 game season, but the quality of basketball was garbage. It was piss poor because players were out of shape. And the guys, the shooting numbers were worse. The shooting percentage was worse. The, the scores were low. It was it was bad basketball. So if the but I would take fifty game season if it would mean some NBA basketball this season. Both sides are at fault. You know you can say that the owners pushed too hard. 
they had the players where they wanted them, but they went, kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and now the players finally pushed back at the last minute, maybe the last second, and now everything's going into the courts. But I want to say one thing, keep this in mind. The owners are getting paid through the, from the, their TV partners. They're going to get paid because it was agreed upon that the networks would still pay the owners whether there's basketball being played this season or not. However, just to kick up, listen up, the owners will have to, basically it's a loan. The owners will have to pay this money back with interest if there are no games paid this, played this year. That was one of the reasons I had some confidence or naivete that I believe that there would be basketball played this season. So we'll see if that faint string convinces some owners to uh, make get a deal done. A lot of hawks on the owner's side are ready for this. They want the season to be canceled because it will most likely cause the players to crack in summertime and take a deal worse than what the deal was proposed by the owners in these last few days. And that is the ultimate sad irony in this, is if the players lose in the courts and lose their fight and lose antitrust lawsuits, etc., the deal that they would ultimately agree upon next summer will be worse than what the deal they had at the chance to agree to these last few days, which means they'll miss an entire season, could miss an entire season of no pay, then in the new deal, get a worse deal than what they had, which makes absolutely no sense. But it is a prime example of what, Wildcat? No education. No, 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 sir. No education. That's true. It's true, no but not education. the new word of the day, boys and girls, which is ass-hattery. I'll let you say Once that. again, ass-hattery. But to show you... Where I am in my uh, viewpoint, this is going to conclude my lockout talk, because thanks to our colleague at ESPN.com, I'm not sure why he does this, but well, he's doing it because he gets paid and it's part of his salary to do it. Charlie Cream with ESPN.com, Women's College Basketball, you'll love this, sir, has his first bracketology of the college basketball season posted on the website. He loves putting this together. He loves and, and that is music to my ears because why? College basketball is here. So damn the NBA to hell with it because it. Tuesday afternoon, Wildcat will be and I'll be on the road going through some rain, what, going up to the college station to watch the defending champions, Texas A&M Aggies, receive their rings and play versus uh, a top ten matchup versus the Louisville Cardinals. That's what we'll be doing. So to hell with all this ass-hatteriness. College basketball is here. So the next podcast, I'm not sure how much we'll be talking about the NBA. Won't be because in the Won't be in any. If there's nothing going on except court talk and legal talk, who cares? We'll be talking about the Rice Owls, the Houston Cougars, the Prairie View Panthers, men's and women's, HBU Huskies, St. Thomas, 
uh, top 25 basketball. We'll be talking college basketball from who knows how long. So, and that is fine with me. I really don't care about anything else beyond that point. Am I disappointed in the NBA? Without a doubt. Hell, I'm surprised we've gotten to this point. I didn't think it would get to this point. I think it would get this bad. Kudos to David Falk, super agent. He thought, he, he called this months ago that the season would not happen and it looks like unfortunately that he, his words will be proven accurate and true and correct but you know who, whatever how can folks find you sir alright um, before I mention that it is I'm giving this I'm, I'm making this statement for a reason it is the 15th of, of November and for the first time in 24 hours I've been able to access the uh, SWAC conference uh, result page and finally have a score on women's uh, men's basketball and women's volleyball at Texas Southern University. I'm saying this for a reason, sir, and I will uh, just give the score. Uh, men's basketball lost to Baylor this past weekend, 57-77, and women's volleyball lost to Texas Pan American, 3-0, headed into the uh, SWAC Conference uh, Tournament. Now, you can find the Fifth Ward Wildcat at www.kingsizeview.com. We'll be on the hill at Prairie View this, this upcoming weekend for homecoming. Uh, be sure to look, check us out. Uh, and you can also find my blog at www.aksvdcsr.blogspot.com. And my Twitter is hashtag. AKSV the CSR and now I am on also on YouTube I will and we'll be loading uh, uploading uh, videos this week and uh, my compadre across from me can be found where my website is of, uh, for the Houston Round Ball Review is www.houstonroundballreview.com. Uh, just going to touch on a few things. You know, I have a Facebook fan page. It's starting to uh, generate more interest, um, hopefully because of my linking to, with the fan page and Twitter. I'm on Twitter at T H E H R Review. Videos are posted on the YouTube channel, which is Houston Round Ball. So, trying to cover a lot of different bases. I wrote a, a brief summary of the Cougars' win last night over Utah Valley. Um, I'm pretty sure the Cougars' post-game videos are posted on their YouTube channel as well. So you can look for that. Touched on a few games this week, and we'll be at a few of these. I haven't decided which ones, but Texas Southern men's team plays Tuesday night at home inside the H&P Arena versus Eastern Michigan. And I believe it's $2 ticket night or something like that. There's a promotion mentioned at uh, Friday's women's game. The Prairie View men hosting Arlington Baptist and another unimpressive opponent for the PV Panthers. But uh, you know, they did beat Shriner on Sunday. Good for them. Uh, Wednesday, the Rice Isles women will play Houston Baptist at uh, Tudor Fieldhouse on Rice Campus. Houston Cougars women will host Texas Tech. I'm not expecting a lot from the Cougars in this game. Texas Tech is a Big 12 opponent. Hopefully it will be better showing by the Cougars than the Owls showing on Sunday versus the Oklahoma State Cowgirls when the Owls lost about 36 points on the road. But kudos to Houston senior guard Porsche Landry for being named Conference USA Player of the Week for a 37-point uh, performance in the losing effort by the Cougars versus New Mexico State. Then Thursday, uh, preview women 
play at Miami. Miami is, I think, sixth, seventh ranked, eighth, and ninth, and ranked in the uh, top 25. That's going to be a huge test for the Panthers. They look good versus Rice. They have a young team. The video was coach Soyel Wilson, previous coach, is on YouTube. You know, and she was just kind of excited about going down to. So if you're looking forward, what she's looking forward to, this doesn't mean they're going to win. No, but the way she the way she talked about it was now we'll find out where we are correct in the season, and that's that's, that, and that's, that's why we and that's important. That's basically what she what she was uh, trying to get the point across. And I think that's that's admirable because what that does that, that really puts you in a position to get prepared for conference play. Exactly, and that's that's all about playing top teams better than you. How else are you gonna get better unless you play teams better than you? Which is go. which is my dig at the Prairie Men. Prairie Men are playing Florida Gulf Coast on Thursday um, on the road. Rice Men will host Southern. So. Um, these are summer games, rest, you know, rest of the schedule, rest of the week. Houston Cougars men team will be at Arkansas on Friday, November 18th. The TSU men will head up to Lansing to play Michigan State on uh, Friday, November 18th. And the Rice South women's team will go back home for a DeFrance Smart Senior uh, point guard when they play Chicago State on the 18th. The 19th, the Houston Cougars women's team, oh my goodness, they're going on the road, going to D.C. to play Georgetown. Last year, Georgetown came to Houston, won by 40. This year, Houston going to Georgetown, going to D.C., they're going to lose by 40. I don't see how they're going to game games will even be close. I know Georgetown lost to Maryland in the battle of uh, top 12 teams over the weekend. Maryland's better than U of H. Georgetown's better than U of H. Georgetown, is, I just think they're going to mash, just beat U of H to a pulp. And one of those reasons is because of uh, Post play, wing play. There's everything. Better players, they're deeper. But they're also bigger. They're all bigger, deeper, everything. I just think Georgetown's a bad matchup for the Cougars because they they have more experience. They have more athletes. Houston is Porsche Landry and whoever else steps up for them game to game. And, they, and Cougars lost in Mexico State. No one else stepped up for them. I think they shot one for 19 from three-point line, something like that. It was horrible. Uh, and they wrap it up on Friday, TSU, uh, Saturday, TSU women host Air Force at 2 p.m. Uh, at the 18 PE Arena. That should wrap it up for us. We started off with scores from the college area teams, talked a lot about the NBA lockout. We ended with the uh, schedule for the college, college teams in the area. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you liked our new word for the day. I'm not going to use, make it a, a regular Hattery. podcast thing, but I, I just like saying ass hattery because it, it, it pursuits the NBA negotiations, the nuclear winter that is upon us, NBA fans and NBA workers and writers and players and et cetera. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about uh, the KG and the Fifth World Wildcat podcast. As our, and, in, and in conclusion, be true, be cool, and 